Did I mute it? Nope, there we go. Good morning. Hey, so good to be uh, back with you guys. Uh, back from, you know, the sickness went through our house, but I'm back. I'm healthy, whole, back with you guys. Missed you guys dearly and uh, excited to be with you this morning. How beautiful was uh, this morning of, like, when, when we just remember that, like, what started in Bethlehem's manger leads to our redemption on the cross. And I hope we just get that, this connection between, yes, he came as our savior, as a baby, which is this incredible story that we celebrate in this season, but we don't, don't, don't disconnect it from what it means to us and how that impacts each one of our lives. Just so awesome to be here with you guys. So here we are on the week of Christmas, five days away. I hope you guys are feeling set, ready to go, and everything that, uh, that, that's, that might be different this year and stuff. But, uh, you know, th- this year, as, you know, each Christmas kind of has a, a, maybe some things are traditions, some things are the same, but they kind of change through the years, especially when your kids from going from being like really little to being older. Uh, this year, my kids keep on asking me, what, what do you want? for Christmas, Dad? What do, you, what do you want for Christmas? And it's kind of a, kind of an odd thing, because like, what, sh- what you can give me, I'm really buying. So, you know, like, um, like what, what does that mean? Like, what, what I want? Well, you know, and then, and then also, like, this year, uh, it's kind of like, well, I don't, what, what do I really need? What do I really want? And, you know, I'm, I'm just going, like, man, if I had one wish this Christmas, like, what would that be? Like, if you had one thing that you could wish for? Like, what would that be? You know, we, we think about that often. If you had, if you had wished, like many people would say, you go, hey, if you have one wish, oh, I wish for lots of money. Okay, yeah, lots of money would make a lot of difference because then you could be generous, you can be a blessing to other. Money gives you opportunities, money buys you time. But we also know that money does not buy happiness. So it's a good idea, but maybe not, maybe not the best wish. Right? Others would say, man, I wish for beauty, I wish for health, I wish for strength, I wish for uh, fame, I wish for popularity. Uh, and there's the classic, right? Every person that says, hey, which, which one wish? Well, I wish for more wishes. Because, but that's illegal. That's not possible. You're not allowed to get more than one wish. Just one wish, right? So you can't do that. But as we come to the close of 2020, uh, uh, this year that will go in the history books, maybe we're wishing for something different than we would have wished for other years, right? I don't know about you, but I feel like I have aged in dog years this year, right? I mean, come on. I think this thing has turned a bit more gray this year with everything going on, right? And so I'm guessing that we would wish for some, some different things. And I mean, maybe, you know, as we all know, as we walk into the Christmas season in a normal, typical, regular year, this, this time of the season can be a bit stressful. It can get a bit cray-cray around the family and trying to juggle schedules and calendars. And now this year we throw a bit of confusion, uh, a bit of unknown, a bit of offense on top of it, and then life can get really, really crazy. How many of you have someone in your life that's really difficult to love right now, right? Don't point them out in, if they're in the room. But like, how many of you have someone that's, that's really love? And like, I, we're at this moment right now where like, some people have said that we're in this place of perpetual offense. We're, we're, we're regularly offended by someone else. Have you noticed that? How, how right away people become so angry. They become so quick to judge. They become so quick to, to, to call a foul, to say, you've done this, you've done that. And what are you doing? I'm going to cancel you. Which makes me wonder... <clears throat> If I had, uh, if I had, a, if you had a wish this year, I wonder how many of us this year would be wishing for, like, the present under your tree would be this nice, pretty one here, and the, it would be when you open it, it would be better relationships, like healed relationships. How many of us would like healthy relationships under the tree this year? Like that would be a, a wonderful present to have, right? Because the fact is, 
um, I was reading this week and, and what people are saying that um, we won't know, like for the next decade, we're going to, not, it's going to take the next de- decade to fully understand the impact that COVID is having on lives, not just physical lives, spiritual lives, absolutely, mental and relational health. A lot of counselors are saying, as it goes with family and marriage and relationships, as that what they're seeing are indicators right now that things in our nation are not going well in those areas, right? So we want healthy relationships to be awesome. And then, and then, but on top of like the, the relationships even inside your home and outside your home is, is, is we, we live in this time where everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a thought and a perspective, right? It's all, what did we hear? I, we have heard science, science, science more this year than I had ever before in my life, right? Nine months ago, I didn't know anyone that was an expert in science, right? Did you? Now all of a sudden, we know all these experts in science, and I'm like, bro, I was in eighth grade with you, and you failed eighth grade science, and now you're an expert because you watched two YouTube videos, read a blog, and listened to the news that you like to listen to, right? Can we, can we be honest, right? Everybody has these opinions. Now, because of this, we know all about viruses. We know how they spread. We know what a mask does, what it doesn't do. We, we, we've done all of this stuff, and then you mix in politics that we've had this year. And if you're on this side, you think this and this side. And then, even in the church, we mix in faith. If you're a person of faith, you do this. And how can you have faith and act like this? Has anybody noticed that there's a lot of confusion and complexity that has been brought up this year, and people are just mean and angry, and like we've never seen seen before. So I would say that one of the biggest presents that I think each one of us would love this year under our tree is if we went to the tree and we saw this one, big one. COVID completely wiped out, destroyed, done with once and for How many of us would love to see that? Like, it's just gone. Like, it's just done. Like, that's, man, that would be an amazing present. That would be an incredible present. I think we would all give up our presents right there, whatever else we had planned, for it just to be obliterated and done with. And then there's other things, because like, it's, it's all like this, this year has been so weird and so strange. How, how many of us would, I've got one other gift, I, I think that all of us would potentially be leaning into want to open this year is this one. How many of us would like to have maybe just a little bit maybe just a little bit more confidence in our leadership and our government this year? How many of us would like to open up that, like a new, a new trust and a new confidence in those that are leading? Because no matter where we stand, right, I heard that 50% of Americans, both Republicans and Democrats, after this long, torturous year, longest year of election year ever, 50% of Americans right now are just kind of puzzling and questioning, there was something that went on with the election, Okay. That's on all news channels that are saying that there's a lot of just, there's a lot of speculation that brings distrust, that brings up barriers, that brings up walls, right? And it's really challenging, again, because the ones that are leading, the ones that should be telling us, again, are trumpeting science, science, science. I've heard it louder than ever. The ones, and the ones with the loudest voice of science, and I'm not trying to just pick on this, but this is where the confusion comes in. Because you can't just pick and choose the science you want to believe. Okay? The ones with the loudest voice of listen to the science. Ignore the science that a baby in a mother's womb is alive. Ignore the science that a baby that is aborted feels the pain of that abortion. 
You can't have it both ways. And even in the Christmas story, what do we read about? Mary comes and visits her, her, her cousin Elizabeth. Jesus is in Mary's womb. John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb. And it says he jumped, he leapt when Jesus came near. While still in the womb. The Bible was telling us from right then that the baby is alive in the womb. So I would say that this Christmas, we probably have some different wishes that we would love to see under the tree this year, right? But which leaves me to believe, even as great as maybe just all of those being answered, maybe just one of those being answered, I believe that what people really want and they don't even really know they want it, they don't know how to phrase it, they don't know how to say it, is what we really long for, what we really desire is peace. We desire a real peace, a peace that the world does not understand, a peace that the Bible talks about from heaven, a peace from heaven, a divine peace that only God can give. Because we know this, you know this, you've been in different seasons of your life, you can have lots of money in the bank and no peace in your heart. You can be married and have no peace in your home. Don't say amen too loud because you want to continue to have peace in your home, right? All right? <laughs> but like, right, like, what a lot of people long for is peace. And that's why we love the Christmas story. The Christmas story starts with this amazing moment of the Messiah, the Savior being born. And when the angels come up to tell the shepherds, hey, they're announcing the birth of Christ. What did they say, right? In Luke 2, 13 and 14, right? It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards man. How many of us, that's my, that's my wish. Peace on earth, goodwill towards man. We could use that. There's this idea, there's this drawing for peace. Somebody say, peace on earth. Right? Later on in Jesus' ministry, after he grows from being the baby that we meet in the manger, Jesus, as he, as he says, uh, when, when he greets people and they're coming in the go, he would often say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And even a lot of times, even after something, something traumatic would happen, he said, now, now go in peace. Go in peace. Carry this peace with you. The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, a lot of the letters that he wrote to the churches that he had planted, the churches that he was encouraging along the way, how did he start it out? It said, grace and peace be with you. Grace and peace. Think of all the other ways that he could have introduced his letters. Think of all the other, the other ways that he could have like opened up those letters. He could have said, grace and strength. Because we all would like some strength, right? Grace and power of the Holy Spirit. Grace and health, grace and riches, grace and wealth. How about to make it 2020? Grace and be safe, right? <laughs> but he didn't do that. He said, grace and peace be with you. Grace and peace. I want to go to Old Testament in Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, and just to give you a brief context, this is a time that Isaiah is a prophet to the people of Judah, the <clears throat> people of Israel. And it's a season that's much like today. There's lots of fear. There's lots of unsettledness. There's lots of not knowing what the future has and, and what's ahead of them. And the prophet Isaiah prophesied this day and speaks of this day of complete abandoned worship of God and the fulfillment of peace and passion and praise of the goodness of God. 
Starting in verse 1 of chapter 26 of Isaiah says, In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. We get to enter into his city and his walls. And who is it? You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord is the eternal rock. The eternal rock. Peace on earth. Someone say, perfect peace. Perfect peace. I don't know about you, but I'm more familiar right now with inconsistent peace. <laughs> Imperfect peace, right? I, maybe, maybe I'll just be honest and I'll be the honest one up here. Maybe I have some moments where I'm at peace, right? I'm praying to God, God, you know this situation. I'm doing it all. God, I know that you're bigger, you're greater. I place this burden in your hands. I can't take care of it. Here, God, I have peace as I'm worshiping and praising. I feel good. I walk away from praying. Three, five, seven, eleven 11 minutes later, oh my God, God, when are you going to answer this? When are you going to come through? Like, where's the peace? I got to start scrambling and start looking at things to figure out the problem, right? Am I the only schizophrenic one here, right? Of like, you go back and forth, right? Even this, this, these last two weeks of us being home, quarantined in our house because of the, the virus and all this stuff, there were moments that in, that in that week that I was like, you know, just like, wow, just moments of peace and tranquility and like thankfulness. Thank you, God, that I have a family I get along with. Thank you that we, we have technology and we have a nice warm house and I have a nice bed and, you know, all the things that you sit to be thankful for one moment and then the next moment like full of just like annoyance, frustration. Come on, this is ridiculous and technology fails you and like, you know, and then, and then you start getting in your head and like you're, it's quiet and you're like, as a leader, you're sitting there rethinking all the decisions you made this year and go, to, it was like, it was, I feel like I was living a choose your own adventure book. Like if I would have chose this thing, I would have led here, I would have led here. Like, it's like, that's what 2020 has been like. And then all these insecurities can rise up. That's not peace. It's not peace, but God promises this thing called perfect peace. Perfect peace. What is that? Like, so this, this word peace in the Old Testament comes from this rich Hebrew word, the word shalom. Shalom. And this, in, the Jewish, in the Jewish context, this is both a greeting for coming and going. You would also say shalom when you saw them and shalom when you say goodbye. And it means so much more than peace. It means wholeness, completeness. It means f- fullness of peace. It means, it means peace in every way, a complete and perfect peace. It means a peace with God. Man, it's such a deep and big word that I, I wanted to lean on the Bible project to explain it better for us here this morning. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. 
This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Yeah, you could watch that about five, seven more times to catch all of that in there. But man, the shalom is this, is this perfect peace that comes from God. And just as we see uh, in the prophet Isaiah later on that he prophesied that Jesus would be the prince of peace. It was said about Jesus before he was born that he would be the prince of peace. And when he was born that he would be called the prince of peace. And so that word there, prince of peace, is Shar Shalom. Shar Shalom. Shar means the one who is in charge, the one who is the captain, the lord, the chief, the commander, the general. The Romans would use the word, word, word Shar for as like, and would, over, over time be translated to Caesar. Caesar, Caesar, right? Like Julius Caesar, right? And so Jesus is the captain, he's the chief, he's the lord, the Shar Shalom. Which means that peace is so much more, right? It's, it's not just a rest. It's not just that, like, Jesus is that. He is the captain of rest. He's the lord of tranquility. He's the chief of contentment. Jesus is the shar shalom. He's the ruler of it. He's over it. He's, captain. He's the owner of it. And it is Jesus' comfort that we long for. It's Jesus who comforts you. It's him that it comes from, right? And possibly you know someone that has 
walked, and you, and you see their, their life from a distance or maybe close up as a friend, and you see them walking through the most challenging, difficult season, and you watch them, and you just like, you ever watch them, and you just kind of scratch your head and go, how do they have peace when everything around them seems like hell that they're walking through? And then others are like going through stuff, and it's difficult, and it's challenging, and there's not an inward spiritual peace that God wants us to have. Because Jesus is the Shar Shalom. He comes as the Prince of Peace. And but after he came as the Prince of Peace, he didn't just like peace out and say like, hey, I'm going back to heaven and taking my peace with me, right? I'm not just like leaving you guys here without any peace. No, John 14, 27 says this, peace I leave you. He's leaving it here. He's leaving it here. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives it. I don't give it in bows and problems to solve and all this stuff as we're going to see. It's not just the, the absence of problems and stuff, right? Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid because he is giving his peace. He said, my peace, I leave it with you so you can walk with it and hold it. Again, whose peace is it? It's his peace. It's not our peace. The one who is in charge of it, the one who owns it, the one who, but so often we try to race around and we try to find it absent of him. We try to find peace in all these other areas. And we're often looking for it in fulfillment of things that we know in the end will not bring us peace. They might bring us happiness from moments. We might have some joyful moments, but it's not going to bring that peace that we so long for and so desire And that's why, again, I think that the wish beyond so many people this season, this year, is like, yes, these, these answers, these wishes would be great, but it's really we long for a peace on earth. But I want you to see the peace that God offers is not this carefree, problem-free world. As much as we long for that, as much as that's the, pro- that's the present that we want, can I have a problem-free, carefree, no-issues life to live? Like, that's what we long for, and that's what we desire. But that's not what the peace of Jesus is. It's not that he, in fact, he made it very clear. He says in John uh, 16, that that's everybody's favorite verse. In this world, you will have trouble. And yeah, right? He makes it exact, very clear. That's Jesus that says that. He's like, it doesn't mean that you won't have problems. It doesn't mean that, that nothing is going to break down. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be possible moments of conflict. It doesn't mean that your kids are going to fight with you on the way to church. It doesn't mean that it's going to take all you have to get here in church and not be angry. It doesn't mean that you and your spouse are not going to have conflicts or you're not going to annoy or irritate your spouse with the things that you do. Like when they send you to the grocery store with a list and a text of get these items and when you get to the checkout line, make sure there's six items in your grocery cart and these are them and you get home and you bought the wrong items and you don't have the six items that you were told, and you have different ones, right? Like, and you're, you're not, not speaking from existence. I, I, I mean, I, but you guys, are, you guys are thinking like me, like, at least he went shopping, right? Like, you went shopping. Like, that should be a good thing. That's what I think, but I want to keep peace, so I'm not going to talk about it, right? <laughs> like, so there's this thing of like, you know, the, the, this idea is not, it's, peace is not the absence of problems. It's not the absence of issues and challenges in life. 
I was just talking uh, this week and thinking about it. Like, it, it's peace is not even the presence that come, the, the presence, the gifts that come from God. Okay? The miracle that you've been praying for. The blessing that you've been praying for. The, 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 the healing that needed to happen. That prayer request that God answered. We think that's the peace. Like, okay, here's the healing for the person with cancer. And that's going to, no, guess what? After God answers that one, it'll take about 12 hours to hear another prayer request. And another miracle that's needed. And another miracle that's needed. There's this phrase of like, God wants us to, to seek his face and not just his hand. That it's not just about the gifts that he gives, but it's his himself that we long for. He's the peace. Even when we don't get the answers, even when we are waiting, like that seed in the winter, waiting, that we sang about this morning, that he is that peace in that moment while we're waiting for the answered prayer. How many of you guys remember the story in the gospel where Jesus is out on the boat and the disciples and this big storm comes up out of nowhere, and the storms are massive, and there's lightning, and there's thunder, and there's wind blowing, and the waves are rising up, and, 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 and they're, they're starting to freak out, and they're starting to worry of what's going on. And, like, they're, they're like, and, and, and they're like, where's Jesus? What's Jesus doing? He's taking a nap. He's taking a nap while they're all freaking out with the storm going on. And I was just thinking about that story this week is what's interesting is that there were really two storms that day. There were two storms that day. There was the one of the thunder, the lightning, the wind, all of that happening outside there. And there was a storm in those disciples' hearts, their minds, the fear, the worry, the anxiety. And the storm inside, like in our lives, sometimes can be greater than the storm on the outside. Right? The storm outside, like this year, like we, we, it's just like storms everywhere. COVID, political unrest, racial divide, you know, financial like, crush. It's all out there. And like it's still, maybe for some of us, it's still even distant. But it causes all kind of anxiety and worry. And there's a storm inside that's going on. And it's that storm inside that caused the disciples to cry out to Jesus. God, where are you? Are you there? Wake up. Are you taking a nap? But Jesus just gets up from his nap. I just love that picture of like, hey, like, oh, whoa, this is going. I can just imagine like taking a big yawn, like, okay. Peace, be still. And he just speaks to the wind and the waves and it just dies down. How many of you just know that the peace that we long for is in our minds? So much of it is, it starts in our minds. Because what is in our minds directs so much of how we respond, of how we act, of how we interact with others. Because listen, I know some of you guys, some of you, we can know the truth of God. We can know that God is real, that God has showed up, that he is right. But our minds still wander to untruths. Our minds still, uh, you, you can believe wholeheartedly in the promises of God, and yet I can still doubt that they're real for me. I can believe the promises of God for you, but believing the promises of God for me, why is that so much more challenging? 
I want to show you, go back to that verse, uh, Isaiah 26, 3, in verse 3. I'm going to look at two different versions. In the New Living Translation, the NIV says, You will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on you, God. Fixed. Fixed. Staying there. NIV says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Staying there. Keeping it. Keeping your mind from wandering into untruths. Untruths of, of whatever it might be of, I'm not loved. I'm not missed. I'm not cared for. And speak that to those that are online. You could be sitting there at home and it's been eight or nine months since you've been here in the room and you feel like they don't even miss me. They don't even love me. They don't even know what I'm going through. And I just want to tell you that, like, we do love you. We do care for you. And those are untruths that the enemy is trying to tell you to disconnect from community. Today, what can happen is we can turn on the news. What is the COVID numbers of today? And what's going to happen with the stock market? And what's going on with political stuff and all of this stuff? And that's not going to give you perfect peace. It's not going to give you perfect peace when you just focus on the financial problems, the challenges, when you just focus on the bad news from the doctor. To have perfect peace, we have to keep our mind fixed, steadfast on God and who he is. Now listen, I'm not saying that we are not to be aware of the days and the times that we're living in. We are to be aware of of life and what's happening in our lives and in the world. We should be informed, but we should not focus on those. We should, we should not be fixated on that. That should lead us into the promises of God. That should lead us into trusting God in those areas. And I love that the Hebrew word there uh, for that word fixed is samak. And it means to lean completely, to rest oneself on. So imagine like, like you're leaning your mind on the strength of God. You're leaning your mind on the power of God. You're leaning your mind on who God is. That's what it means is like you, you, to be in perfect peace is to lean completely on when your mind is resting in the promises of God. Amen? Because our minds can drift to what, can, what, what is the worst that can happen? What's the challenging thing that can happen? And all the other things that can consume us. But when we, we, what's not going right in the world, what, what I have to fix, what's not going right right now in my life, in my circumstances, in my relationships, just full of dread and fear. But perfect peace comes to those whose eyes are fixed on them. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is what I'm going to tell you. Final thing is wrapping up this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. So we're going we're to fix our mind on things that are honorable. We're going to fix our mind on things that are right and true and lovely. So what we're essentially fixing our eyes on is on heaven, on Jesus, on his truth, on the words, right? And we're going to think about what is, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, whatever is worthy of praise. And then he wraps it up in verse 9. I don't think I had it on the screen. He says, and if you do this, if you are fixing your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure and lovely and admirable, and you're thinking about all that is praiseworthy, you, the God of peace, will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. 
So sometimes, guys, we have to talk to ourselves. We have to preach to ourselves. Like Jessica was up here. She wasn't preaching to you guys. She was preaching to herself. Sometimes we got to preach to ourselves. You got to talk out loud. You got to be that crazy person driving down the road, preaching to yourself. Put the Bluetooth in your ear if you don't want the person next to you to look like, think you're a crazy person. But you start preaching to yourself, right? You got to tell yourself, my God is good. My God is greater than any other God. My God is above it all right? His promises are true. They never fail. My God is my guide. When I'm weak, he is my strength. When I'm hurting, what? He is my counselor. What is, we just read about, we hear about Christmas all the time. Wonderful. He, when, when I'm hurting, when I'm in pain, when I'm going through hard stuff, he is my wonderful counselor. He is my mighty God. He is my everlasting father. He is my prince of peace, right? We have to remember who he is. And I got to fix my mind and stuff. And, and when it starts to fade away and to go to things, and I, and I start to focus on other things, and I think that it's going to pull me away from God's love and feel like I'm not loved, I go, What? Then who shall separate me from the love of Christ? Such trouble, such hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or short. Should any of that? Let's modernize Romanates, okay? Like, what should separate me? Loneliness, anxiety, loss, depression, fear? Is anybody that going to separate me from God? No. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. Whatever the enemy throws at you, whatever lies he tries to tell you, you are more than conquerors. So I fix my eyes, my attention, my focus on him. And that's when I get this shalom. The prince of peace comes and I can rest my mind even in the things that I can't solve, the problems I don't know, the answers I don't have. I can rest in that, the shar shalom. It's not just peace, it's his peace that is given to you. He does it all for us. And I know sometimes we can feel like we are in one of the most complex, divided times as a nation. And I love that that video put there that as we are to, now as we experience the shalom of God, the peace, the prince of peace, that we are to be carriers of that peace. We're to bring that peace with us. Where we go, we're to bring that peace to others. Because the fact is, just as everybody else thinks these other gifts that they're going to open on Sunday morning are going to bring them peace, we know that they're longing for a true peace. A peace that only comes from God. And peace can be restored, even in America. The, the division can be restored. Let's not forget, one time our nation was completely divided in a civil war fighting against each other. And we've come back together. In fact, I came across a story about this this week. Have you ever, got, any of you ever heard of Ira Sankey? Ira Sankey, anybody? He was, a, he was a, a hymnist who wrote some beautiful songs, some classic gospel solos. One is known as the, the nine, 99 and 9. He also became the lead music leader for D.L. Moody. He would get him to sing a lot of times before to draw a crowd because of his, his powerful way of singing, and then D.L. Moody would get up and preach. Well, on, the, on Christmas Eve of 1876, Sankey was traveling on a steamboat on the, up the Delaware River. You ever notice, like, especially in that time, and even today, the travelers that travel on Christmas Eve, there seems to be some kind of bond that happens between them. 
whether they're on an airplane and wait, waiting there or whether they're in a train or a train station. Like there, there's some sense that you know that the rest of the world is celebrating Christmas with loved ones, with ones that are around them and care for them. And so you're just kind of drawn to those others and you're more peaceful, you're more kind, you're more hospitable to others. And that's what happened on this, this steamboat on Christmas Eve of 1876. And a, a small handful of passengers started to get together on the, on the deck of the boat. And looking out over the calm Starlit night, someone said, hey, I heard that Sankey is aboard. Like, Sankey's aboard because he became quite one. I said, let's have him sing, let's have him sing. And they, so they called Sankey to come and sing a song for them as they're out there on the, on the, on the deck. And he, he obliged and he comes up there and just as he's about to sing, he stops for a moment and he just kind of pauses as if he's praying. As much as he felt like, well, this is Christmas Eve, clearly I should sing a Christmas song. He's deciding what song to sing and the words from the song, the shepherd's song came to his heart. The words, some of the words are like this. It says, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use thy folds prepare. So he starts singing this beautiful hymn and the listeners and there's this, uh, there's this, this deep stillness that comes over it as this guy sings beautifully and the, the melody just floated over, over the deck across the water into the night and everyone's heart was stirred. And right after he got done singing, this, this gentleman kind of steps up and walks towards Sankey, a rough looking guy. And he says, hey Sankey, um, did you serve in the, the Union Army? And he says, uh, yes, I did. Yeah, I did. And he goes, oh, did, uh, do you know by chance if you were on picket duty one, one bright moonlight in 1862? And he's like, well, that, that's getting kind of <laughs> specific, specific there. And he goes, but yeah, I, 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 did, I did work picket duty quite often. And he goes, were, were, you in, were, were you in the Army also? He goes, yes, I, I, I was in the Army, but I wasn't in the Union. I was with the Confederates. And he says... One night I was out hiding in the shadows there and there you were walking in the bright moonlight. And I had a perfect shot to take. I was completely hidden while you were completely obvious. And just as I was, had my finger on the trigger, you started to sing that song that you just sang. Savior like a shepherd lead us. And the music, you sang loud enough that the music reached my ears. And then it started to reach my heart. And I took my finger off the trigger and I said, well, I'll wait till he finishes singing the song and then I will end his life. He goes, I can't miss you. You're right there in the shadows. I can take a moment. But as you reach the part that says, we are thine and do thou befriend us, be the guardian of my way. He said, I could hear the words so perfectly and they stirred my heart. I can't begin to tell you what all that I felt in that moment, but I remember having moments, memories of my childhood and the love of my mother and the love that my mom had for God and how she was taken out of this life way too early and how my life would be different if she was here. And I just went down this whole journey through this hearing this song. And at the end of the song, for some reason, I could not raise the musket. It was impossible for me to take aim even though you stood there as a perfect target. And then I thought, the Lord must be strong and mighty 
to save this certain man from death. He says, my arms dropped and I, I can't even tell you all the things that I thought at that time because my heart was spitting and I didn't know what it was or why. And he said, just now as you sang that song and I recognized that you prayed quietly before singing it. He says, I wanna know what is this shepherd you sing of? He says, because since that night I have journeyed far and wide and I still have not found the peace that I long for in my heart. Sankey, overwhelmed with emotion, just hugs the guy, embraces him, who would have been his enemy, who would have taken his life. And that night, on a Christmas Eve night, it leads him to the Lord, leads him to the Prince of Peace, who brings healing to his heart. One-time enemies now embracing one another. He was wandering for years looking for peace. And see, at Christmas time, so many people, even us in this room, we can sing these songs about peace, but you cannot speak of what you do not have. Because only Jesus gives peace. He's the only one who gives us the perfect peace when our eyes are fixed on him. One more verse, Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace. See, the biggest peace the Prince of Peace came to bring is peace between us and our God. Because the truth of the matter is, we are sinners. We have offended God. We have hurt the heart of our God. And our sin has separated us. But his, by Jesus coming and taking our place, by him coming and being this, this one that stood in the gap between us, he gives us this beautiful thing of peace that comes from him. And we no longer have to wonder, where do I stand before God? What does he think of me? Have I gone too far? Have I made too many mistakes? Is my shame too great? You do not have to have that this season or ever because the Prince of Peace has come and you never have to worry about where you stand with your God because of what Jesus did on your behalf. And I know in this room and those online, as it comes to a close of the year and heading into the holiday season, possibly some of you are feeling shame, feeling regret for choices done in the past, for things even possibly done today. I just want to tell you that your Savior was born to bring you peace between you and God. And he does not want you to live a life of shame. Whatever the sin, how great it is, he comes to forgive it. So you guys stand with me as I pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you came as our prince of peace. You came as the owner of peace, the one who owns the peace and gives the peace. Lord, as your Holy Spirit is here right now, Lord, I just ask that you would just reveal, pull back the layers of our heart, Lord. And I wonder how many of you would just say, there's some areas in my life that there's not peace right now. There's some areas in my life that are just turmoil. Would you raise your hand and let me know that I'm praying with you? 
there's some areas that I just need some greater peace. Heavenly Father, you are our Heavenly Father who loves us. You love us so much that you sent your one and only Son to be born in a manger in Bethlehem but that you wouldn't stay there in Bethlehem, but Lord, that you would go and you would go from that manger in Bethlehem to that tree on Calvary. Taking our sin, taking the wrath of God, taking everything that separates us from our creator, it was placed on you. The sins that seem really big in our eyes and the ones that we kind of want to just skirt under the rug. You've come to forgive it all and to make peace with us. And Lord, you made it clear that in this world, there's trouble. In this world, there's moments where we hurt each other. There's heartbreak. There's confusion. There's there's offense. There's all of this. But in the middle of everything, God, you've come to bring your peace to those who have trusted in you. So Lord, I just ask that your spirit would just overwhelm us with your peace here this morning. Whatever the circumstance whatever the dread of future might be, whatever the unknowns might be, Lord, that we have a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that only comes from God. In the middle of doubt, in the middle of confusion, Lord, you come and you bring your peace. In the middle of anxiety, in the middle of loss, in the middle of of confusion, Lord, we trust you. We stand upon your word. We fix our eyes on you and you alone and your goodness. And Lord, we pray and we ask for shalom. Let shalom start here. Let it start in our hearts. Let it be something that we carry with us when we greet people, something that we leave when we leave people. Lord, let it be something that your church carries. Lord, we carry the shalom, the peace of God. And God, I pray for those that are coming to you for the very first time, Lord. They might have known of you, Lord Jesus, but they've not trusted you and known your peace. Pray that your Holy Spirit would just draw them close to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Well, the Lord bless you. The Lord cause his shalom to go with you. His shalom to go with you and you carry it into your work, into your into your family celebrations of Christmas, into your, into your loneliness this Christmas season, into whatever this season might have for you, into all of that, let the salome of God go with you. You guys are blessed. Love you guys. Thank you so much. I'd love to pray with you. If you'd love some more prayer up here, I will be here. My wife Nancy, Marco, others to, to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you guys this morning. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday, and we will see you Wednesday night to celebrate Christmas together. <laughs>